James chapter 1, verses 19 to 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I wonder if you have noticed that there are lots of people today who are very easily offended. And it appears that Christians can be some of the most easily offended people around. But I think that as disciples of Jesus... It is probably part of our job to be offended at things that offend the heart of God. But that's a slightly different issue and we'll come to later. Surely of all people, Christians are called to be offended by that. But we get offended by so many other things. Over the next few weeks, there is a possibility that I might offend you. Because we're going to talk about how to deal with anger and about being offended and about unforgiveness. The series is called No Offence. We should maybe say, no offence, but. Today is more of a sort of introduction and in the next four weeks I'm going to unpack it in more detail. But first, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your son Jesus and his grace for us. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would do your work in us. We live in a divided world. Help us to be a united church, sharing the goodness of Jesus and his love in a way that will change lives, mainly ours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus was... Sorry, James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he wrote this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, and then he gives some instructions. Take note of this, and then he gives us the instructions that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. An interesting question. How are you doing with that assignment? We should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think we live in a culture where not very many people are listening, but are very, very quick to speak their opinions, and people become very offended very easily, and anger equally quickly. But we're told that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. 
And in fact, when you look at Jesus in the Gospels, that was the example that he set. Coming up today uh, in, in the car, on the radio, there was a, a little comment. And I said, oh, I'm using that later on today. And it was this. How many questions do you think Jesus was asked as recorded in the Gospels? What do you think? 20, 30, 40, higher, higher, 100, 120, not quite, 183. 183 questions Jesus was directly asked. Of that 183, he only answered directly three. So on a Sunday morning, when you ask me a question, I go, mm, right? That's my example. <laughs> but he asked over 300 questions. Why? Because he was incredibly focused on listening. He was focused on the other person. I think nowadays it's so much angrier, sorry, easy to be angrier and to take insult because of social media. We know that there are trolls out there who scour the internet looking for a fight, deliberately stirring up anger and resentment. You know, independence, vaccinations, refugees, other areas of politics get people really, really aggravated. Sometimes we get upset and angry because people are not upset and angry about the things that we're upset and angry about. I think there are people that like being angry. Not necessarily too bothered about the issue, but there's a part of them that enjoys being angry. And boy, does social media give you a group to be angry with. You and your 17 friends can share your ticked-offness about the same thing. And you share your memes, and you share all that stuff, and you're just reinforcing the anger of everybody else in your group. And eventually that anger becomes truth. And it's kind of fun. Because you can feel morally superior because you know that you're right. And everybody else, therefore, is wrong. But the question is, how effective is your anger? If you are one of those people who is easily angered, is it working? Is it making you more like Jesus? Is your anger pointing other people to the intimacy, the life, the freedom and joy that are found in Jesus? Is your anger making you more loving? Now, we've already had the spoiler alert because we read on from verse 9 and 19 into verse 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. It does not. It cannot produce the righteousness that God requires. So my anger at the petrol station 
or your anger at an opposing political view, or the person who nipped into your parking space, or whatever it was, that anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And maybe somebody here or watching online says, oh, hang on a minute. My anger is righteous. I know it is. And of course, there is such a thing as righteous anger. Jesus was angry. He, he went into the temple and he overturned the tables of the moneylenders. Righteous anger is right. There's a place for that. I don't know about you, though, but I've noticed that very often when I or when other people are angry about sin, it's usually somebody else's sin. So if we are really honest, our anger might actually not be just righteous. It might, in fact, be self-righteous. As Christians, it's easy to criticize somebody else's foul language and ignore our own spiritual pride. It's easy to judge sexual sin and ignore our own greed. We can usually justify our anger because it's our anger. But we have to ask, is that actually drawing people to the grace, the goodness, and the love of Jesus? And at some point, we need to make a decision. We need to decide when we get angry, is it because we want to make a point or because we want to make a difference? And too often for me, it's because I want to make a point. But if we want to make a difference, I suggest that we need a different attitude and a different philosophy in dealing with the wrongs of the world. Rather than letting our ego and our feelings and emotions direct our actions, we need to let Holy Spirit direct us. We're not just trying to win an argument. We are trying to win people to the grace and goodness of Jesus. Matthew tells us a story of a very clever man who was an expert in the law. And he came to ask Jesus a question. And in fact, Matthew tells us he was trying to catch Jesus out. So the question was this, what is the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus answers, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and the most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like this one. And it is, love others as much as you love yourself. Jesus is saying the most important thing is to love God with everything in you. Every fiber of your being should be given to worship him, to love him, to glorify him. And one way that we show that love is by loving other people. Jesus never told us that we had to win the argument. He never told us that we had to be right. He said you have to love other people as much as you love yourself. So as disciples of Jesus, how do we do battle against the forces of darkness? Well, I think we lead with love. We don't lead with anger. We want to make a difference in the world. And hearts are rarely changed by anger and accusation and judgment. They are changed, however, by empathy, compassion, 
discussion and love. I do have strong opinions about things. I know that. But I don't want those opinions to overrule my calling to share the love of Jesus. I don't want to get sidetracked by things that don't actually matter compared to sharing Jesus. So how do we, if we are one of those people who gets angry easily, how do we let go of that anger? How do we overcome offenses against us? Well, I think there are two things. And the first of them is this. We should lower your expectations of other people. Now, I understand, I understand that seems like an odd thing to say. Because normally you want to say, oh, big everybody up. But I think lower your expectations of others. The truth is that people are going to lie to you. They're going to betray you. They're going to let you down. They're not going to show up for things. They're not going to say thank you. They're not going to be there for you. And you will be disappointed. You will be disappointed in other people. That is just a truth. But what do you expect? Well, unless, of course, you've never done any of those things. Instead of being hurt and angry, we need to remember that sinners do sinful things. How do I know that? And what can we expect? Well, 2 Timothy 3, verses 2 and 3. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of those people. That's what we can expect. And we get upset when somebody doesn't call us back. <laughs> Do you know that's, that's the world in which we live. Jesus was never shocked by self-centeredness. He was never scandalized by immoral behavior. Reading through the Gospels, we see that in the stories that we, we read. He meets a woman by a well, and you know he knew that she had been married five times and was now living with someone that she was married to. But did he go... Oh, hang on a minute. I can't be anywhere near you. I, I don't want to have anything to do with you because you're that kind of woman. Oh, I tell you what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to go and tell Peter and John. Not that I want to gossip, you understand. It's because we're going to pray for you because you're looking for love in all the wrong places. No, of course he didn't do that. He didn't judge and he wasn't shocked. Later, the disciples were arguing about which of them was Jesus' favorite. Jesus, heading to Jerusalem, knowing that he is going to be tried and tortured and killed, what are they doing? Arguing about who gets to sit next to him in his kingdom. Now, if you did that to me, my reaction would not be the same as Jesus. Because <laughs> I've not got there yet. Jesus, though, he just loved them. And then even later, Peter boasting about what he's willing to give up for Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you know, I would die for you. And what does he do? He betrayed Jesus when he needed him most. 
but Jesus just kept on loving them. He didn't go on a rant or shout and bawl. He just kept on loving them. So much so that Peter gets a new assignment to go and do what Jesus did. The second thing to do is to raise your gratitude for God's grace. So lower your expectations of others and raise your attitude for God's grace. How are we made right with God? Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says this, it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's by the grace of God that we are made right. It's because Jesus died for us. And we all, all of us need the grace of God because none of us are perfect. I'm aware that most of my examples today have been a bit trivial. You know, political differences, losing a space in a car park, all that kind of stuff. And maybe you're here, though, or you're watching online and you are facing some really deep and significant pain because of something that's been done to you or someone that you love. And you know, when we are, when we are hurt and we are angry, there tends to be that thought that I'm right and they're wrong, so my anger is justified. Look what's been done to me. I'm right to be angry. But if you're not careful... Your anger will justify your right, metaphorically, to hold the stone. Don't intend to throw the stone at anybody. But you want to hold it just in case. It's like, oh, you hurt my child, so I might hurt you. How could you vote for that party? Why don't you believe my latest conspiracy theory? And I hold my stone because I'm right and you're wrong. And my anger gives me that right to hold this stone. In John 8, there was a couple that had been caught having sex. And there was an angry group of men gathered around holding literal stones. Arguing that she should be stoned to death because she had sinned. Of course, they didn't bring the man as well, who was equally guilty. Only the woman. And Jesus wasn't shocked or angry. He wasn't offended by the woman. He knelt down and he started to write in the sand. And we don't know what he was writing. But one suggestion is that he was writing the sins that the men were guilty of. But one by one, starting from the oldest, they all dropped their stone and walked away. Jesus essentially said to them, you're angry and you want this sin to be punished. No problem. Those of you who've never sinned, go first. There are so many injustices in the world and they break the heart of God and it's easy for us to want to be righteously angry. But I want to suggest that really angry people have a hard time making a difference. So today, lower your expectations of others and raise your gratitude for God's grace. Remember that you and I are sinners saved by grace 
and so we can put our stones down. Jesus never called us to be right. He called us to be loving. Remember too, that it's not about making a point. It's about making a difference. My aim is not to win people over to my view on stuff that doesn't matter. My aim is to introduce people to Jesus. And if he was quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, then I need to be too. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you today knowing that there have been times, maybe even today, when we have been angry. And we get angry at things that don't really matter all that much in the long run. And so we ask for your forgiveness for any time when in our anger we have hurt or offended or troubled other people. We pray that you would forgive us, but also that you would give us the grace to try and put that right. And if we are holding on to anger, help us to see whether it is righteous and from you or, or that it's not. And if it's not, help us to let it go. And would you replace it with your grace? Would you replace it with a, a deep compassion? for other people. And Father, we thank you that we are here today not because we are fantastic people, not because we deserve to be called your children, but because of your grace. We are saved by grace through faith. And today, if there is anybody here or watching online who hasn't yet experienced your grace. We pray that this might be the day when they choose to let go of whatever it is that's stopping them from coming to you so that they might say instead, Lord, forgive me and make me one of your children because I love you and I trust you. And I want to serve you. And Father, as we come to Jesus in faith, your promise is that we are made new. That we receive your spirit and we receive eternal life. And there's no better thing that a human being could receive than that. And so today, Father, if there are people listening who need Jesus, will you speak directly to them 
that they might respond in faith. And Father, we just thank you that you do make us new. And we pray that as we think through some of these issues into this week and beyond, that you would continue to make us new and more like Jesus. Amen.